Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I am Marcy Jacobs Aronchik, and today we're studying Masachet Shabbat, Daf Kuf Lamed Aleph, Tractate Shabbat, page 131. In its exploration of our most recent Mishnah, the Gemara first focuses, as we saw on the previous Daf, on the issues related to carrying a scalpel on Shabbat in order to use it for a Brit Milah. Now, on our Daf, the Gemara begins to explore the Mishnah's underlying concepts more deeply. The Mishnah first, in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, gives permission to do certain machshire mitzvah, or mitzvah preparations, on Shabbat. These are things that are necessary preliminaries to the performance of a mitzvah. In the case of our Mishnah, having a scalpel is a necessary preliminary to performing a circumcision. The Mishnah ends with a statement by Rabbi Akiva that seems to limit this blanket permission. Any melacha, or labor forbidden on Shabbat, which can be done before Shabbat, does not override the restrictions of Shabbat. Brit milah, which cannot be done before Shabbat, if the eighth day of life is in fact on Saturday, does override the restrictions of Shabbat. From our previous discussions, as well as this Mishnah, we've seen that exigent needs, such as serious health issues and major mitzvot, take precedence over the observance of Shabbat. But our mitzvot don't exist in a vacuum. They require preparation and planning, and many of them require objects, both specialized ritual items, as well as everyday tools for their performance. This raises the question of how to address machshire mitzvah, these preliminary preparations. The daf itself is concerned with delineating Rabbi Eliezer's opinion on which mitzvot and their machshirim are permitted on Shabbat, incidentally, none of the ones he permits is currently a part of accepted Jewish practice, and then it spends a great deal of time deriving how he came to his decision about each. This seemingly legalistic discussion reveals, at least to me, a great deal about how we view the two most essential facets of Jewish life, Torah and mitzvot. First, let's look at mitzvot. As I mentioned a moment ago, this focus on machshire mitzvah reminds us that our Jewish behaviors don't exist in a vacuum. Our observance of mitzvot and our participation in Jewish ritual and behaviors give our lives texture, and ideally, they are not separate from the everyday aspects of our experience. I am a Jewish educator, and one of the principles by which I function is that Jewish learning must be connected to Jewish living. My goal for my Hebrew school students isn't that they know how to behave Jewishly when in services or at a Passover Seder. Rather, I pray that they live fully integrated Jewish lives, that their, that their sense of themselves as Jews infuses both their Jewish behaviors and their secular experiences. In this view, mitzvot aren't things that happen from time to time in a special Jewish bubble. They're intertwined in one's life. They are with you as powerfully on the soccer field as they are in the synagogue. In recent years, 
Jewish overnight camps have been getting a lot of attention in the Jewish educational community. Studies have proven that a young adult's experience or lack thereof in a Jewish overnight camp setting is a primary indicator of continuing Jewish engagement. One's Jewish identity, these studies declare, takes root most deeply and permanently by going to camp. What makes camp such an impacting experience is this immersive aspect. Every activity, whether specifically Jewish or not, becomes woven into the texture of an integrated Jewish life. Campers don't have to prioritize Jewish experiences over other commitments. They're all a part of the same whole. To put it back in the terms of our daf, the mitzvah of living Jewishly relies on all of its machshirim, all of the aspects of daily life that lead to, flow from, or support it. Now to Torah. The second side of our daf examines each of Rabbi Eliezer's declarations, seeking to derive its scriptural source, and then suggesting that it would have been possible for the Torah to only teach one of these halachot, and we could have learned the rest from that one. Ultimately, each of these suggestions is rejected. All of Rabbi Eliezer's teachings are scripturally necessary. They can't all be reduced down to one source. At the heart of this dialectic is the rabbinic principle of linguistic economy. This principle goes back to Rabbi Akiva, and really, even before him. Rabbi Akiva holds that the Torah is written in the divine vernacular. Each word of the Torah is God's, and is thus perfect and entirely purposeful. It is inconceivable that even a word or a letter in the text is extraneous. Passages that seem to contain such superfluity really do not. The extra words are there to reveal something hidden in the text, an unconsidered case, a limit on the halakha, perhaps an additional option. The Torah for the rabbis of the Talmud and Midrash is a great and holy puzzle that contains every possibility, every idea for deriving instruction for Jewish life. The end of chapter 5 of Pirkei Avot captures this idea perfectly. Ben Bagbag Omer Ben Bagbag said, Turn it over and over, for everything is in it. Reflect on it, grow old and gray in it, and do not stir from it, for there is no better portion for you than this. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.